Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untraded Media Podcast. This is episode 75. Uh, we'll be going over our favorite or our best in-theater moments slash memories, any of our favorite times that we've ever had in a movie theater. Um, why are we doing it now? Well, it seems very likely that going to the movies is not going to be an option for a lot of people for the foreseeable future, maybe even April or May at the earliest. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to have that like, oh, how great it would be when we know it's coming back. But I think oftentimes as movie fans, we take things for granted until we don't have access to them. Yeah. So I think now is a good time to think about the great times that we have at theaters. Cause I don't know about you, Josh, but I've got a pretty sweet setup for watching movies at home. I've got a really good TV, um, got a decent sound system, but still nothing beats that in theater experience. It's just hard yeah. to top that. Um, I would agree. So we'll talk about that today. Um, obviously the big topic on everybody's mind is the C word. Um, and that of course influences the news that we have to talk about this week. Um, but Josh and I thought if nothing else, the least that we can do for you guys is keep the show going like it was a regular week because, uh, it's stability. It's if there's any way that we can help is entertained or help you guys escape for the hour, hour and a half that we do this every week. It's the least we can do to try and help you guys out. Um, and it's just, just something to help in a world that's out of their routine right now, to say the least, we want to just at least try and stick to ours as best as we can. Um, we thought about not doing this, but at the end of the day, I think it's better that we stick to what we're doing than to ditch it. Um, so Josh, I'm glad to be talking to you this week. I'm looking yep. forward to talking this week. Yep. It's, uh, it'll be a relatively small ish episode, but I mean, I, I think, you um, and I, I think it will be news wise. I actually don't think it'll be that short though. Really? Okay. Cause I, I, uh, you know, the story of Josh is that he's, <laughs> I love movies, but I have a bad memory. <laughs> So I like I struggled to get five together just because I was like I I I don't remember a lot. Well, um before we get into our news topics, uh we'll continue the trend that we've kind of been doing for the past few weeks of what are we watching? Um so yeah. uh Josh has been dipping his toes into Shutter. I gave him a Shutter password. I've been on that for about a month now. I love mm -hmm. Shutter. So Shutter is more or less the streaming service for horror fans, but there isn't just straight horror as in case in point the uh what I've been watching lately is a horror comedy that I found on Shutter that as soon as I watched it I tried to seek it out elsewhere uh and I found it on Voodoo and I immediately bought it cuz I loved it so much. A movie called Dead Detectives. Uh Josh, did you get a chance yes. to watch it yet? I have not. I've been, uh, my family had a event canceled for obvious reasons. And so they actually came down. And so we've been visiting since, since we, you recommended it to me, actually. So. Uh, I actually think your family, knowing the type of movies that your family watches, I think they would enjoy it too. If you want to watch it with them. Uh, we'll see. Wait, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So <laughs> Dead Detectives, essentially, I don't want to give away too much for Josh because I think the less you know about this, the better. Uh, 
Dead Detectives is essentially this group of friends that run a TV show, kind of like Ghost Hunters International or any of those like fake ghost hunting TV shows. And their ratings are terrible. So they're going to do one last episode or else they get canceled. So they actually get called into a legitimately haunted house and they don't realize that it's actually haunted and they think it's all just part of the script that they've created or part of the show, if you will. And everything starts going haywire. The sh- this movie felt a lot like um, the any of the Halloween or horror episodes of Psych. Fair enough. It felt like that type of humor and really good chemistry between the cast. And I will say, after watching this movie, it felt like a really good pilot for a TV series that I don't think is coming, but I actually would not mind if we got or a sequel that I really, really want. Like, when it was done, I immediately thought, I want to spend more time in this world. This was actually really entertaining. And without giving too much away, there's something that happens about halfway through that turns this from a regular comedy into, okay, that's a really clever idea, and I really want to see more of this in this world. It was a very out-of-the-box idea that allows for a lot of fun, playful interactions and ideas to grow. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. It it was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, have you gotten a chance to watch anything on Shudder yet, or have you more or less been browsing for the no, time being? I'm still browsing a little bit. I um, I, fi- I finally saw Frozen 2 for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> Heather's giving it, you the big old thumbs up. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good. I um, as someone who's seen quite a few musicals, there's always been a difference between the you know a princess movie that Disney does that has songs but isn't a musical, and like an actual musical movie. And this, weirdly enough, felt more like a musical than it did a Disney princess movie, which I haven't decided on whether or not I liked that or not. I think it's weird that you're the harsher critic of musicals than I am. I know it's, 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 it's crazy. Um, I will say, uh, Christoph's number, like in the middle of the movie was my least favorite. Really? Stark difference, uh, music wise that it has from the, in everything else. All of a sudden it felt like I was watching, uh, like Chicago play. Is it the or, or same like, issue that you have with Greatest Showman of it feels too modern for you? It well, Yes and no. It felt like it was a decade behind music-wise. It felt like I was watching a, a musical from like the early 90s, late 80s or something like that. Well, somebody's telling me it's supposed to be like that, but I, I haven't seen it. So well, I don't know who to believe. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it is it, like, yeah, I'm going to nitpick, but it's a good film. I, I enjoyed it. How long do we think till Rise of Skywalker's on Disney Plus? I give, what is it? What's Because it comes 16? on Blu-ray and 4K later this month. I so thought I saw it already released on uh, digital. Yes, it did release on digital this past week, which um, actually will probably transition us perfectly into our main news topics because uh, the reason that it was released on digital is because people have a lot more time on their hands. And unfortunately, the world is, 
I don't want to say the world is on fire, but metaphorically it is. It's like the movie Click and someone just pressed pause on the whole world because it's a lot of up in the air. We don't know what's going on. So we don't like typically to talk about real world issues on here. Uh, Movies are an escape. So we want to escape to the world of film for at least a little bit. Uh, But sadly, we can't do that because the coronavirus is invading all aspects of life. It's really throwing a wrench in my job because I work with video production in sports. Uh, And there is no sports to be had. uh, I know Thursday when uh, that NBA game is about to start, I remember just thinking while I was getting ready for work on Friday, this is going to be a really weird day. Day and then, like, right as I was leaving, NHL season's canceled, the March Madness tournament's canceled, everything is canceled. It's like, huh, this is gonna be real weird, isn't it? Um, and then it impacted our film bubble, which is why we're talking about today, and it has impacted so, so much. Um, so we have a whole bunch of movies that were supposed to come out have been delayed in their release dates. You had A Quiet Place 2, which was supposed to come out this Friday, which is probably the most painful for me because as any of you that's been listening to the podcast know, that was my number two most anticipated movie of the year. I've been so eagerly awaiting A Quiet Place 2. Um, But they delayed it. Uh, They finally said that they're going to delay Mulan because... We've been saying they should nobody, for a while. Both yeah, of those because have been nobody delayed. can go see the it. The one that I'm still scratching my head as to, um, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but you may have went overboard a little bit, is Fast and the Furious delayed their release till 2021. Until uh, <laughs> April 2021. I was like, okay, guys, I get it, but you pushed it out a whole year? Yeah. <laughs> okay talk, talk about not having faith in your product to me it's John Cena's hair man they're going back for reshoots and reshooting the whole movie with different hair for Cena um I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised <laughs> they're gonna give him a beard be super it just he just looks weird dude I can't even imagine bearded Cena or any facial hair Cena. Just, yeah. I'm, honestly, I'm surprised we can see him at this point. It, maybe he's the new Invisible Man. No, get out of, no, that's Drax. Which, actually, we will talk about the Invisible Man later because Universal is doing some very interesting things that I think have a big ripple effect that we desperately need to keep an eye on, but... Um, we'll save that for last. Um, things are getting delayed that had set release dates, but productions of things that are currently filming, basically anything that you're excited for that's currently filming or in production has halted to more or less keep everyone safe. Uh, the Batman been put on hold. Falcon Winter Soldier been put on hold. Um, Basically, any major film or TV project, The Witcher, um, any major project that you can think of right now has been put on hold, which um, I, because it's my brain, 
my immediate thought was this actually might lead even further delays for some other project, the Uncharted movie. Yeah. Because remember a few weeks back, we said that they're about four weeks away. That was scheduled to start filming next week. Uh, But Tom Holland also said that Spider-Man will start filming in July. Sony's priority will always be a Spider-Man movie. I think push comes to shove. They're going to start filming um, Spider-Man before they film Uncharted. So that's going to get delayed even further, I think. But we're really not talking about that yet. Just because we don't know the extent of the damage that this this virus is causing. Uh, Not just in the world of movies, in the world of just entertainment in general. E3, the biggest convention of the year for video games, wasn't delayed. It was straight up canceled because unfortunately, if anybody was going to get contaminated, it's probably going to be gamers. I think I texted you. I was like, yeah, because, you know, gamers are totally known for their their great hygiene. Yeah, which it kind of, I don't normally pay attention to E3 because I'm the definition of a casual gamer. I play a lot, but I'm not very good, and I play the same three games to death. Um, But it seemed like they were going to announce a lot of big things this year at E3. Uh, There's rumors of a new Harry Potter game from a a really good publisher. There was talk that this was going to be the year that the new Arkham game was officially going to be released. Uh, We were supposed to get confirmation of whatever the new Rocksteady game was. So are these all just going to be dropped? All these going to have just random announcements later on of just, hey, here's that thing that we were going to talk about. Um, I'm sure at E3, they're probably going to talk about the PlayStation 5 or um, Xbox Scarlet, whatever they're calling that. I'm sure there's going to be information on that. E3 is completely done. We can't, we're not getting that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's going to be more delays or cancellations in the near future. Uh, the one that is so niche, but it's I got to talk about it, is I believe it was canceled, not just delayed, but canceled, was uh, Universal was hosting an event called Peacock Live at the end of this month. It was more or less Universal's version of D23. Yes. Um, And I was paying attention for that because one of the panels was hosting an event about Halloween Horror Nights for both Hollywood and Orlando. And they were going to start giving details about uh, the first major details about Horror Nights this year, which is the 30th anniversary. So there's going to be big details about that. Now we're probably just going to have to find out via some random tweet saying, hey, here's a house or here's the theme instead of like having a big panel or event about it. Um, Before we get into what I think is arguably one of the most fascinating things that I will absolutely be keeping an eye on. um, Josh, what are you making of all this of just almost like the implosion of the film world right now? We haven't even talked about how movie theaters are reacting to it. Yeah, it's, it's tough, dude, because it. what's crazy is at the beginning of last week, um, it was not that big of a deal. And then just literally, I think maybe starting Monday, all of a sudden things were starting to get shut down. Like beginning of last week, I had, I was booked for close to 10 shows this month. They've all been canceled throughout this entire week. So it's just like... Uh, 
it's crazy to see. And quick side <laughs> tangent with your um, wrestling. WrestleMania, the biggest event in yeah. professional wrestling every single year, hasn't been canceled, but it will now be in front. It will go from a big Tampa Bay stadium to their more or less spring training facility, like where the wrestlers work out and get themselves better from injury. It'll basically be there and in front of no one. It'll be just two guys in a ring with no one in the crowd. Which, as someone that's done training matches in front of no one, those are, like, not easy to do at all. Think For those that aren't wrestling fans... Think of WrestleMania as like a TV series, TV season finale of this is supposed to be the end of their kind of calendar year in terms of storytelling. So this is supposed to be the big epic send off for a lot of their year that they've been building towards. And now the luster on it is definitely not on there anymore. That being said, I will absolutely be watching WrestleMania, not just because I watch it every year, but more out of curiosity of how they're going to pull this off. Yeah, it's... That's what I think is 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 just crazy right now, is we're just... And props to WWE for, in a way, just trying to keep some kind of normalcy in this just pure insanity that's happening right now. Yeah. Um, like they've been doing raw and SmackDown from the performance center in front of no one, which is just weird. And they've been showing recaps of old stuff, but for WrestleMania, that's their biggest show of the year. That's it's going to be really, really bizarre. Um, now the weird thing that I will absolutely be keeping an eye on is you mentioned it briefly that, um, Disney moved up the release date of Frozen 2 on Disney Plus, which I think was a great move on Disney's part. It was like, okay, let's help out the families a little bit here of let's give you something to watch. I think Rise of Skywalker, uh, I think can be a few weeks away. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, a, if this continues and we're all still under quarantine for a few more weeks. I can see it being released on Blu-ray and 4K at the end of this month, and then maybe two or three weeks after that, if we're still under quarantine, then they'll put it on Disney+. Plus. But Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. That, that wasn't super surprising, at least in context to what happened um, later on Monday. So Universal themselves kind of were like, okay... We see what you did there, and we're going to take it and raise it to something that, again, I think we really need to talk about this because this could forever change the landscape of film, and I'm not even joking when I say this. This Friday, Universal, it's either going to be rental or actually for purchase. You will be able to buy the digital copies for The Hunt, The Invisible Man, um, there's one other movie and Trolls World Tour. So why is this such a big deal? The Invisible Man and The Hunt both are still in theaters. The Hunt only came in theaters last week and you can buy the film and watch it at home this Friday. That is unheard of in the 
world of movies and entertainment. The Invisible Man came out two weeks ago. To have a movie that just came out and is doing well. Invisible Man just crossed $100 million at the box office. To immediately go and be like, okay, you can now buy or rent this this Friday. But the one that's really interesting to me is Trolls World Tour. Um, I had no interest in seeing this movie. But this movie hasn't even come out yet. It was supposed to come out in May. And you can now rent or buy this movie on Friday? That's unheard of. This is something... I think Universal is dipping their toes into something new. And potentially, I don't want to be hyperbolic here. They could potentially be trying to test something that could be the future of the way we ingest movies of you can either release this movie in theaters or you could see it at home for about the same price. Yeah. Which would be wild. Like, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, but like, granted, I don't go to the theaters that often. So I don't know how much I would miss it. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to rent trolls world tour, but it's so weird to me that, it's going to be released for people at home to see two months early. So either they think this thing is going to last for a while and no one will be at the theater because some theaters are straight up shutting down. Regal is now closed for the foreseeable future. And AMC is limiting only like half the people to see this, half the see, uh, half the people to see their movies. It's, this is a very interesting move that after the, virus settles and we get back to somewhat of a normalcy in our lives if that trend continues of shortening the gap between movie releases and home viewing because we're seeing that gap shrink by the day and this is a major leap forward in that direction that I think is utterly fascinating it's gonna be wild dude I just like in not just like in the movie sphere just in general like the world is not gonna be the same after this yeah I think there's gonna be a whole lot of things that change and it's it's just been a weird experience man um I've already thought ahead to next week and maybe we do if this quarantine's gonna be lasting for a while maybe we do an episode either next week or in the future about best stuff to stream or our streaming recommendations. Yeah, totally. Like best it's, things to marathon. Cause seems like a lot of people in the world are going to have time on their hands. Um, so yeah. hopefully you'll listen to us guys. Um, you want to yeah. move on to some happier stuff and less, yes, please. less heavy stuff. Uh, yeah. Yes, please. Well, that's not entirely true. We still have some heavy stuff to talk about. Primarily Thor. Oh, because it seems like Guardians of the Galaxy might be in Thor 4. Which is weird. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, It's kind of weird to me that we didn't think about this sooner. Uh, Because Endgame made it seem like, yeah, we'd probably be be getting the Asgardians of the Galaxy with Thor teaming up with with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And everyone kind of assumed, oh, is Thor going to be in Guardians 3? Is Thor going to be in Guardians 3? No one stopped to ask, wait, could the Guardians be in Thor 4? Because Thor 4 is the one that's clearly coming out first because 
James Gunn is busy with Suicide Squad, so he's not even going to be doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for a while, whereas Thor Love and Thunder is coming much sooner. So wouldn't it make more sense for the Guardians to be in Thor 4? It was just weird to me of, oh yeah, I guess that does kind of make sense because that's coming first. That way, if James Gunn, who I'm sure has already had the idea for the story for Guardians 3 for a long time, even before Endgame, maybe his script doesn't include Thor. This is how you like continue the Endgame story, but kind of wrap it up as well in Thor 4. Um, yeah. It just makes it even more packed. Would you want to see the Guardians in Thor 4, Josh? I feel like that would be an easier story to tell than having Thor in. First, I don't know why, but I feel like that's that just that transition would be better. Also, I'm not going to lie. I'm very excited about the prospect of the Guardians of the Galaxy being directed by Taika Waititi. Yes. Also, um, oh, who confirmed it? Tessa Thompson confirmed for a fact that Christian Bale will be playing the villain in Thor Love and Thunder. We just don't know yes. what villain. Yes. Uh, I'm super down for that, though. What? Who do you hope it is, or who do you think it could be? Oh, I have no idea, honestly. I, uh, I'm not as familiar with Thor's uh, villains as I probably should be. Too bad he's a villain, because I would love it if he was Beta Ray Bill. Oh, dude. Honestly, they could work that. I can see, because he kind of like is... Looks like a horse? But no, like he could come in and start as a villain. I can totally see that working. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's Adam Warlock. I think they're saving him for Guardians 3 because that was set up in a Guardians movie. Um, Yep. Someone said Mephisto, um, to which I think that's more of a Doctor Strange villain, but also my inner Spider-Man fans going, no, having flashbacks to that horrible Spider-Man storyline with the death of Aunt May and the annulment of Spider-Man's marriage. Yep. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know who else is is left, really. Unless you're going to, like, really start digging into Nordic mythologies for some reason. Do we think Brothor will come back? Or we're going to return Thor to, like, prime body condition Thor? I think he's going to be prime. He will be a mixture of both. I want Brothor to stick around. I like Brothor. Oh, dude, I can see him getting his body back, but keeping like the hair and the mentality. Oh, in shape, Thor, with that hair and beard, I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, totally. I'd be so down for that. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I would be okay with that. I, it's a crossover that I enjoyed seeing the Guardians and Thor together. So I think it just makes sense that they're together. For Thor, yeah. it just makes the cast really big. You've got the Guardians, you've got Thor. Um, well, we don't have Loki. Um, Valkyrie, yep. Jane Foster, <sighs> whatever Christian Yay. Bale is playing, Taika Waititi. Um, the important question, is Meek coming back? Uh, well, I think that's kind of obvious. I hope he, he better be. 
because yeah, I, I, I need scenes with Meek and Groot together. Oh, dude, It'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. There's nothing else. It's not Meek. Th- and, this pairing uh, is a fun Meek pairing. Meek and Drax. Oh, Meek and Drax would be a lot of fun too. Well, we've already seen Drax and Korg team up. True. But I want more of their team up because it's great. Like, I want more of them, like, actually talking to each other because the man that's so little... Both of them are incredibly literal characters, and I think it would work very well. I agree. I think also um, we don't know where... um, Oh, geez. What's her name? Um... Oh, Gamora. I'm having a brain fart. Gamora. Gamora. Yeah, we don't know where she is. Do you think she'll she'll appear? Because I am I itching hope for she her. doesn't. I, I the only reason I do would I would love a Valkyrie uh Gamora team up. Or fight scene. Just in general, yeah. Those two on screen would be great. That's one of those like they start as enemies and then become allies. I would I like a head to head fight with that. Kind of like how Civil War teased a fight between Okoye and Black Widow. Yes. Let's go. Which that was before we knew what Okoye could do. And now having seen what she can do, I completely agree when Black Panther is just like, that is a fight I would like to see. And I'm like, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Plot twist, Okoye's taskmaster. Oh, you think so? No. Okay. I, I'm i standing resolute on who I think Taskmaster is, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, um, uh, you never actually told me. Uh, I forgot to ask you. So Yeah, I'll remind me after this, and I'll tell you who I think it is, who I've thought since day one. Um, but the House of Mouse isn't just all Marvel and superheroes. They still do Pixar movies, believe it or not, Josh. Um. Not all of them have been great Pixar movies lately, and some of them haven't been doing great financially lately, uh, unfortunately, Onward. But I that's not Onward's fault. It had some big issues. Not story-wise, but um, real-world issues. But there's yeah. another big Pixar movie coming out later this year, Soul, which I'm not going to lie. From the get-go, this one seemed more interesting to me than Onward. And this most recent trailer just further solidified that to me. I am really, really intrigued by the potential of this movie. Yeah, I I think I was not as thrilled, but at the same time, I was curious of one of those. Okay, well, I don't know where we're going to go with with this, but sure, let's go. And then seeing this trailer, holy cow. I can already tell this will be a very emotionally heavy film, which is saying something for Pixar. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It just seems like it's going to be tackling a lot of big questions. Again, nothing new for Pixar, but it just seems big even for them. Well, and I I like, I, I really like um, the idea of him being a jazz player, the main character being a jazz player, because that's such a genre of music that's so like you play from the soul kind of thing. Yep. And just I like the integration of the music, not only in the trailer, but what it seems to be in the whole movie of I'm 
driven by music at times. Like I listen to movie scores all the time, and I think this is going to have a phenomenal score and soundtrack. Um, I like how the music ties so much into the story of the movie. I think that's a really interesting twist. The animation looks fantastic. Like I'd like the design of the souls themselves. Yes. Like the there's detail, being... but there's still like soft edges to them. They kind of look like a ghostly version of the inside out characters. Yes, but like not in a bad way either. No, like you can tell the Pixar similarities, but they're still unique to them. Yes, it's not like we're just seeing another version of Inside Out. Thankfully. Um, I like, though, that there's always those memes about Pixar that they kind of more or less copy and paste the same movie of what if toys had a soul? What if monsters had a soul? What if your feelings had a soul? What if your soul had a soul? Yeah, which is kind of terrifying. It's very... It's very meta. Also, what is with Disney lately and like life after death type stories with this and Coco? Coco was incredible as well, but Mm. it looked gorgeous. Coco just didn't do it for me personally. Okay, fair enough. That's the thing with Coco. I don't know what it is that didn't register with me. Maybe there's too many side plots, but it visually it looked great, but something just didn't click. Fair enough. And maybe it's because I knew the plot twist going in. Fair enough. Yeah, I can see that. But also, Disney, stop doing secret villain reveals. The first one with Toy Story 3 was good, and then all of them since have been just so predictably dull. Mm-hmm. Coco, um, Frozen. I feel like there's another one. Toy Story Four. Yeah, there's there's quite a few, honestly. I mean, anything more than two is too much. So, yeah. Well, at least we're not getting a Bugs Life sequel. Don't you put that in the universe. I don't want a Bugs Life sequel, and we're, I, I guarantee you we're not like, getting don't one. Don't you do it. Don't do it. I guarantee you. But we will be getting a continuation of the Universal Monsters. Now, I was wrong when I said that I thought that there would be a connection to a larger monster-verse in Invisible Man. That was not true. That is very much a standalone movie on its own accord. But there was talk like a couple days before Invisible Man came out of Blumhouse wants to do more of the classic Universal Monster movies, Um, which to me raised all these red flags of, okay, they're already planning it. They just wanted to make sure Invisible Man was a success, which is a smart strategy. Take notes, Universal. (laughs) 2017, The Mummy, The Dark Universe, laughingstock of the film world. Um... But now it seems like we'll be getting more Universal Monster remakes. And I am a little mixed, I'm not going to lie. So we'll be getting a new Dracula movie from Blumhouse uh, by the same director of Jennifer's Body and The Invitation. Um, I am mixed on this. I have a 
couple different thoughts, but um, Josh, I want to hear your thoughts first. You hear new Dracula movie from Blumhouse. From the guy that did Jennifer's body. From the woman that did Jennifer's body. Mm, I mean, dude, I can say dude, right? That That's a thing I can say. Yeah. Um, I, mm, I was not a fan of Jennifer's body nor the invitation. So I still have uh, not seen the invitation. I've heard it's decent. It's okay. I just, here's the thing too, though, is the guy that did lighthouse and the witch has been teasing that he's gonna, he's got a Nosferatu movie in the works. Well, see, and I would eat that up. I would love that too, but Nosferatu is not a classic universal monster. He predates them. I agree, them. but I, it's very, very similar to like a Dracula film. Well, it, it is Dracula technically because Carl Emley couldn't get the rights to yeah. Dracula at the time. He would later. Uh, no, it might not have been Carl Emley. Whoever made Nosferatu couldn't get the rights to Dracula from Bram Stoker's widow, so they more or less named it something else. But I've always kind of viewed Nosferatu as a different character almost, just because there's been different incarnations of Nosferatu by now. Uh, that's fair. I, I guess I just kind of... I don't know, man. I I don't think as much as I trust Blumhouse that they're the ones to do this right now. I don't know. I, I, it also might be because I'm just so over vampires. And that's where I'm mixed of. I want more of those classic universal monsters. Invisible Man was not what I wanted. But that's okay because it gets more people interested in those original monsters. A lot of people like Invisible Man. That's awesome. To me, it didn't have enough of that tie-in and feel of the original film. But I know I'm absolutely in the minority in that. If it gets you more invested in and interested in those old-school monsters and in horror in general, awesome. I salute that and I want more of that. That's why I want more remakes of these classic Universal monsters. That being said... I said it before Invisible Man came out, and I say it again now. Anybody but Dracula, please. Yeah. You do realize there's other monsters out there. Dracula has been done to death. We literally, earlier this year, just had a Dracula. The BBC did their short series, the three-episode series on Netflix. We literally just had a Dracula. Before that, we had Dracula Untold. We've had Dracula so many times. And yeah. I don't have an issue with this director. I think it's really cool that they're getting a female director. Um, that's awesome. She can bring something different to the table. Maybe bring in more of the bride of Frank, bride of Dracula, the brides themselves. Because um, at this year's past, uh, this past year, HHN, they had a classic Universal Monsters house, and the brides of Frankenstein. The Brides of Dracula, not the Bride of Frankenstein. The Brides of Dracula were some of the coolest and scariest parts of the whole house. And there's a lot of potential there. But Dracula's been done to death. I was very intrigued by the potential of Lee Winnell, who did The Invisible Man, said he would love to do a Frankenstein movie. Frankenstein also has been done to death, but not nearly to the level of Dracula. And even take out Dracula, just vampires in general have been done so, so much. Um... When I heard more Universal Monster movies are coming, my mind, Dracula didn't even factor into that. I wanted to do Avengers style of some newer, some uh, other characters, and then we bring in the big names like Dracula and Frankenstein and Wolfman later. I would have done like Invisible Man, Creature from the Black Lagoon, um, 
an actual horror version of Phantom of the Opera. No singing. Um, maybe the Wolfman, Hunchback of Notre Dame. A horror version of Hunchback of Notre Dame, I think, would be fantastic. Um, a good mummy movie. Just, I think this has potential to be good. I have faith in Blumhouse. That being said, really, you had one yeah. hit and you immediately go back to the well of Dracula. Can, yeah, like it's it's just come old. On. We made this mistake before with Dark Universe. Blumhouse, please don't make this one again. Anything but this, really. Like, I'll still be excited for it because it's one of those classic monsters, but we've had so much Dracula. Yeah, it's it's just time for something else. I mean, really, I mean, we could do werewolves. Werewolves wouldn't be a bad idea. We haven't done those really in Since a while. Since about 2010 or 2011 with um, Benicio Del Toro's The Wolfman. Exactly, but it's been, te- that's 10 years. Yes. Um, and it's not like that had such a long lineage, and that has a lot of interesting potential there. Because especially in today's world, like I can see that being interesting. Um, yes. Especially, especially if they do something like they did with Invisible Man and try to modernize it in a specific way. Yes, this is one that... Um, I think was one of the bigger issues that I personally had. I know a lot of people like this element, but one of the issues that I had with Invisible Man is a lot of the film, it's a, is he actually invisible or is she crazy? That that premise, I actually would have rather have seen on uh, a Wolfman movie instead of a whole bunch of um, murder being committed and the guy doesn't know if these are actually him as the Wolfman or if there's some other creature out there, kind of like the witch. Yeah, that would be really cool as well. How would you feel about the guy doing the witch doing the wolfman? I... Slow burn wolfman style in old London. Maybe. I almost... It's got to be old school. I I, I don't want to modern... For some reason, I just respect his ability to the director's ability to do his research so much that yeah, I Robert Eggers, I think does better him. with period stuff. And also Wolfman, the whole idea of Wolfman feels old school to me. Um, yes. So it, to me, at least for me, it has to be set in the past. I'm, I guess you could modernize it, but I think it works best in that old time setting. I agree. And honestly, if Kinda you like Jack modernize it, I almost feel like you have to go lichen and not wear it. Yeah. But you can make it gruesome and dark. Like a full-fledged slasher, kind of. Or... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I See, like, I, that's what I think. I, I want something just a little different. Because it's so easy to take werewolf and make it into a slasher. Or, or if we don't get Wolfman, get something that could kind of have the same thematic elements, but not with the full-on beastly side but still a transformation in a new Blumhouse version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dude, we haven't had a good Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in like forever. I would be very much down for that. Oh, absolutely. Because it's the whole element of science gone wrong and the monster within the man. 
Dude. And that's such like a way that's it could be such a psychological. You could do that too, though. You ready? You ready somehow- for like, the sexiest words you're ever going to hear me say? Uh, Dr. Maybe? Jekyll and Mr. Hyde starring Tom Hardy. Yes. And then do it what we just did, what we just talked about, where maybe instead of having to, it only happens whenever he drinks the potion, maybe it, he drinks the potion and doesn't think anything happens in the beginning of the movie. And so then murders are happening and he's not sure if it's him or if it's somebody out there. Or end of the movie, plot twist that gets revealed to us, there was nothing in the potion. Oh, dude, and he's just always he's been just that way. Messed up, and Hyde is the real person. Wow, that would be rad. I think I just got us psyched up for a movie that won't exist. Yeah, Jason Blum, call me up. Five million dollars, we'll make this happen, dude. And that's one that actually you don't need it to be set in old school London. You can actually set that in a modern day, and it would still work. Oh, absolutely. Because just have that, like, everyone's got a dark side. Yeah. It, it'd be <gasps> everyone's got something to hide. Yes. There's a poster right there, my man. Oh. Oh, gosh. We need to move on before I just start idea pitching even more. <laughs> okay. Do you want to move on to something that I think is depressing? I'm on the fence as well. I don't, I'm not as depressed as you, but I think I'm on the fence. Uh, Josh, what are you talking about? Oh, we're talking about the fact that they're making a Scream 5. Yeah. um, This is nothing new. Basically, since Scream 4, they've talked about doing a new Scream movie. The big difference, though, is the guy that created the Scream franchise and that directed all four films, Wes Craven, unfortunately is no longer with us. Um, Mm -hmm. And that franchise really, that in Nightmare on Elm Street is really, those are his babies more than anything else. Um, So I don't know how comfortable I am with someone else taking the reins of it. Um, Now, this is coming from the creators of the movie Ready or Not. Which, I'll be honest, a lot of people praised it, and I thought it was just kind of okay. But I saw the potential that was there for, like, a dark comedy, which is essentially kind of what Scream is. Yes. Um, It's a self-aware dark comedy. So, I think they are the right guys for the job if I really had to pick anybody, even if I wasn't a huge fan of Ready or Not. That being said, Scream is such a Wes Craven thing that I just, I don't know if I can see without him. Yeah, it. I don't know, dude. It's. I mean, I, I saw the show on MTV and liked it a little bit, but it wasn't Scream. Like it wasn't the a dark comedy. So, I, I think. And I also think it's one of those things that's it's so far in the past that maybe it might be a good time to. I don't know, not do something and come up with a new idea. Or maybe even, like, rebooting the series, maybe? Yeah, just um, keeping the series going. Just, mm, yeah. Reboot it, and for the first film, have um, the actress that played Sidney Prescott be the killer. 
Yeah. I no, I, I think that know. would I was, tick off too many fans. I, I've never been a big scream person, so I just like this doesn't really do much for me. Like if they were to reboot it and do something new with it, then sure, but uh, uh it's not my favorite franchise, but I enjoy all four of them. Some of them are definitely stronger than others, but uh, none of them have particularly scared me, but I enjoy them poking fun and fully acknowledging different tropes in the horror genre. So them making another one, I'd be at least interested in it. Uh, it's just more of that, I don't know. It's like, it's like the Indiana Jones thing of someone else an outsider, more or less, is taking over a franchise, and it's going to be odd, to say the least. At least with Indiana Jones, it was willingly passed off. It wasn't the original director, unfortunately, passed on or anything. It's it's just going to be weird, I think. Yes, but I think in the case of Indiana Jones, it's a needed change. Yeah. Um, now, if we said Blumhouse's Scream, that would make me a lot more interested, but I don't think they're attached in any way. Yeah, I'd agree. And I mean, you know, it'd be really wild is if A24 picked up Scream. That doesn't seem like their type of movie. A24 is very niche, whereas Blumhouse is trying to appeal to the most amount of people possible. Fair enough. I'll give you that. I just think also A24 works really hard to be as unique as possible and as new as possible. So it'd be interesting Um, for them to try to do something with Scream like that. A24's got that new Dev Patel movie coming out soon that looks really weird, but I need to see it. Yes. There's a lot of movies with uh, that A24 does that I've I've always... Anytime I see a trailer for, for most of the movies, I'm like, yeah, I, I need to see that. The best A24 thing I've seen, though, is that first look that we got at Robert Pattinson in the Batsuit. It just said, A24's The Batman. Yeah, yes. Because it's it's kind of true. Um, you got anything else for Scream Five? Are you ready for discussion time? Let's get, let's get get this going, my man. You got a uh, sponsor for us this week? Um, hand sanitizer. Stay safe and clean up. <laughs> because I, if I you're buying anything, buy a hundred things of hand sanitizer and not toilet paper, please. Yeah, um, it's been crazy. I. Uh, I think the f- guys, I-, I want you to know that I'm a terrible person and yes. that Nathan, Nathan is the shining light of good that in, in this podcast, because I wanted the discussion to be <laughs> our no. favorite pandemic movies. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, but that's my sense of humor, but yeah, guys be, be safe and stay clean out there. Like this, this all, also, when all the is going down. When the world gets back to normal, stay staying clean. That, that yeah, like are people not washing their hands? Like, why is this such so hard? I don't understand. Yeah, uh, but let's yeah stay clean out there, people. Now, for the time being, we cannot go to the theater, and that's really driving me nuts because we were like. Just getting close to movie season. The end of March and towards the April season is kind of now more or less the beginning of summer movie season. It gets earlier and earlier every year. Maybe someday it's we'll come to January and we can get some good movies then. But until then, 
going to the movies is always one of my favorite things. Doesn't matter if I know I'm seeing a bad movie. Nicolas Cage is left behind. Um, I'm still going to be excited because I'm going to the theater. And that's just a fun experience. It's not something you can replicate. Um, just the really comfy seats, depending on the theater that you go to. Um, yeah. The communal aspect of it, except for one movie on my list that I'll talk about today, which was not a communal experience, and that was part of what made it terrifying. Um, it's just this, you don't know anybody else in the theater. You're with a whole bunch of strangers, but you have that commonality for at least about two hours there. If you're all there for one singular reason to just enjoy a movie and you get to experience that together, and a lot of these are experiences and moments that I'm sure as movie fans will stick with us for a while. So sit back and relax as we're going to talk about our favorite moments that we've had in the theater, just moments, scenes, entire movies, etc. Just as long as it took place in a movie theater, it's fair game today. Uh, Josh, yep. you can kick us off because I've got a lot to get through. Yes. Um. So I'm going to start this off with uh, don't laugh at me, okay? Um, and you're not allowed to judge me because this is a moment that Elmo I that, and that that means a lot to me. The first movie that my family and I saw together was the first Cars, two thousand five. Y- yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. So that was the first like family. I had literally been going experience. to movies for ten years at that point. Exactly. So, but like that was the first, and it was just us in the theater and and like we went to one of those that was also like a restaurant so we had like food and all this and it it just felt like my dad rented out a theater just for us and i'll never forget i mean the movie was fun and cool but like it was a family experience that i'll never forget my first film ever like i said was exactly 10 years before that in 1995 with Toy Story. Unfortunately, I can't talk that much about it because I don't remember that much about it. Um, I just know that that was the first movie I ever saw and still one of the most impactful movies. One, of the, However, the movie that has impacted me the most that I do have vivid memories of seeing it in theaters, this is going to come as no shock to anybody, but one of the movies that has had the most profound impacts on me and the direction of my life, The Dark Knight. I remember walking yep. out of the theater with my dad. We saw it at one of those like morning showings because it was cheaper. And just sitting back in the car, just thinking about, I don't know what to process this movie as. Because up until that point, I had never seen anything even remotely close to it. And still to this day. I don't think I've ever seen anything even remotely close to The Dark Knight. And my, was it, eighth grade mind at the time couldn't even really process fully what I had just seen. And I was like, I need to repeat viewings of this because this is something special. And whatever it is, I need to know more. And that just led me to wanting to know more about movies and everything else and just ingest all the knowledge that I can. And that's a never-ending quest and a thirst for more knowledge that all came out of that but i just remember coming out of the theater just in awe going i think i think i just touched magic and i need more 
Yeah, it's I, it's on my list as well of just like even uh, when you get to the point of the the detonator scenes, that whole section of the film. I don't know about you, but in my theater, like I could feel everyone in the room holding our breath. See, that was I remember people were nervous, but that wasn't the scene that left the like you could hear a pin drop in. That was tense. But the moment that like shook the foundations of my theater was when Rachel Dawes died. Oh, yes, that one, too. So for those that haven't seen Dark Knight, somehow the Joker gives Batman a choice. You can either go to this location or this location. So you can either save your girlfriend or the district attorney, Harvey Dent. And Batman thinks he's gotten to Rachel Dawes, but he's ended up at the location of Harvey Dent. It's a superhero movie. You think, okay, the hero's going to save the girlfriend just in the nick of time. No, she blows up and dies, which is something you have never seen before in a superhero movie of, holy crap, they just did that. And you could hear a pin drop in that theater. Yeah. Which... It was incredible. You could kind of... That kind of same reaction, but not to the same extent happened with Dark Knight Rises when Batman got his back broken. I remember sitting in the theater just quivering going, they actually did it. I remember saying that out loud going, they actually did it because I had read Nightfall so many times leading up to it. Are they actually going to break his back? Are they actually going to break his back? They did. And I was just like, they actually did it. I watch it now going, that's a pathetic back break. It is. When you actually see it, like it's, eh. It like gently nudges him. Um, The Dark Knight had more of an impact for me than this next movie, but there's another DC movie that I actually had even more vivid memories of, and just the overall experience I enjoyed more and remember more of the setting, even if I enjoy The Dark Knight more. And that's Man of Steel. So, um, Dad was always the one that took me to the superhero movies just because he read comic books like me as a kid. Uh, he read Iron Fist all the time, Spider-Man like any other kid. Uh, my first PG-13 movie was X3, The Last Stand, seeing it with my dad. Yeah, not the best, but you couldn't tell me otherwise. It was awesome at the time. Then Spider-Man yeah. 3. Um, so I remember seeing Dark Knight with him. But then Man of Steel came out in 2013. And at the time... We were in Disneyland on vacation, and you don't typically go to the movie theater on vacation just because that's something you can do at home. You don't need to see it while you're on vacation. You can't see Disneyland every day. You can see Man of Steel any day. But that was such a big event of, like, I practically begged and pleaded with my parents, please, 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 please. I don't want anything else this summer. I just want to see Man of Steel because, I don't know about you, I remember those trailers vividly. Man yeah. of Steel had some beautiful trailers um, with the Jor-El voiceover, with the Pa Kent voiceover. And so we're walking by the AMC at Downtown Disney in Disneyland. And my parents just look at each other and she's like, he really wants to do this. If you do it, I remember mom going, if you do it, I'm not coming with you because it was a midnight showing. I, I miss midnight showings, by the way. 7 p.m. Same. showings just don't do it for me. They're not the same. Um, yeah. But, um, there's like, if we do this, you can't complain about being tired in the morning. It's like, I promise I won't, I won't. Um, so we get tickets to see Man of Steel at midnight later that night after the park closes, we'll come back in. Um, 
and we're like on the edge. We didn't even really have great seats. I still remember like the specific seats that we're in. But as a DC fan, it was really cool because up until that point, Marvel dominated the landscape. Avengers had come out the year before, so everyone was rocking their Captain America shirts, their Thor stuff, their Iron Man gear, anything Marvel-related. But at the Man of Steel midnight showing, people were in Superman shirts, Justice League stuff. Um, It was like people were coming out of a cave and were like, it's okay to come out again? We're we're here. It's just cool to see fellow like-minded Superman fans. And... Just the experience of, it's Superman again. And I still love Man of Steel. And I remember talking about it with my dad all the way on the way back at like 2.30 in the morning on the long walk back to the hotel because we had to walk back through Disney Springs, back through the Disney area, around the block to our hotel. And he's like, remember, you can't complain about being tired in the morning. I slept just fine. And I woke up, I think, at the same time as everybody else, not tired of wink because I was so excited from the night before and to talk about it even more with my dad. I was just, oh, it was so great. It was so great. Thank you for so much for letting me do it. It was just one of my favorite memories with him and just getting to experience that with him. Um, I will always like Dark Knight better, but the memories that I have with Man of Steel are even stronger of just, ah, fellow DC fans together to see a Superman movie and... Fight me. Henry Cavill is the best Superman and he deserves another Superman movie. Dang it. I agree. Um, so have you ever uh, read a book? And yes. Like, it's like, okay, you know, let me finish you jerk. <laughs> um, and that was recommended to you and that you weren't sure about, but you ended up loving. And then they came out with a movie for it. Uh, yes, but unfortunately scene. that movie was Aragon. Mm, gross what about lone survivor no but i know of that movie that was spoiled by the poster yes uh but here here's the thing the book had been out for years so it was one of those like if you hadn't read the book you were and and you went to see the movie and were surprised like bro sorry but uh I had the book recommended to me um, from a friend of mine and I had, hold on, I got to get the event straight. He recommended it to Ben, my younger brother, Ben read it and was like, Josh, this is really good. Read it. And so I was like, okay, I read it. And, and so then all three of us kind of like bonded over that book or whatever. So then five years later, maybe the movie came out. And so like all three of us, went to see the film together because we kind of experienced the book together as well. So like Lone Survivor, albeit not a perfect movie, was one of the first movies for me that I walked, like the movie ended and I just kind of stood up and walked out because it was was like the reaction that um, Saving Private Ryan first had. Of just like, oh, wow, like, dang, okay, we just experienced that. Like, there's, I don't want to clap because it feels disrespectful, and I don't want to cheer because that feels disrespectful, but wow. So I, I had that emotion coming out of Lone Survivor. I don't know, have you ever seen it? I have not, but those kind of it's, emotions, like, while it's not on my official list, I'll put it as an honorable mention, those are kind of the same feelings that you're talking about that I felt coming out of 1917. 
of just yes. of just kind of shell shocked, but in yeah. awe of like, wow, I can't believe it. Cause those kinds of movies do a good job of putting you not in the driver's seat, but experiencing the, that stuff along with the character. Oh, I was so anxious in 1917 the whole time. No, dude. I was um, white knuckling the last hour. I don't blame you at all. That's so good. Um, Around the same time as 1917 is a movie that I alluded to earlier. Normally, films are a communal thing. You watch it with other people. The only movie on this list uh, is also the only movie that I've ever seen by myself. There was not a single other person in this theater. And I'll be honest, walking out of that theater, I kind of wish there were other people. (laughs) Because (laughs) this movie made me so uncomfortable. But for the best reasons, why it's one of the most memorable experiences for me, The Lighthouse. Oh. Oh, yes. So I saw this in one of my favorite theaters because it's got nice reclining seats, but also the, they've got like the nice dividers. So even if there's people behind you, you never see them or hear them. And there's like speakers behind you. So there's numerous times throughout this movie that I thought there was genuinely someone behind me because the sound design was so good. And I was so uncomfortable and unnerved the whole time of like, I kept checking my watch, not because I was bored or uninterested, but because I was getting so anxious throughout the film of, okay, I need this to be over so I can breathe again. Yes. And also I I felt like I took something before the film yeah. Because, oh, I don't doubt it. Because I got so paranoid throughout the movie. Of So it's shot in a three-by-two aspect ratio. So you got the black bars on the side like an old VHS. Throughout the film, I'm just going, is that screen smaller? Are those black bars on the side coming in ever so slightly to make it more claustrophobic? Or am I imagining things? Oof. Like, just seeing the lighthouse on a big screen, just the sound design of, like, that slow hum of the lighthouse beacon of being the only one there. I felt like I was going insane, and I hated and loved it at the same time. Yeah, I, and I was just watching at home, and I got that feeling, too. Yeah, um, I have a couple other horror movies, but then none of them have impacted me like the lighthouse. Um, one of them brought me a lot tears of joy. And one of them brought me tears of sadness, but in a great way. Um, Josh, tears of joy or tears of sadness first. I'm curious as to what your tears of joy are. It's not going to be super surprising to you. Uh, Halloween 2018 actually yeah, made I me can see that. super, super, super giddy as a Halloween fan because it had been so long since one, we got a Halloween movie with the last one being 2009's Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Uh, but it had even been even longer since we had seen a good Halloween. So um, between Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 and 2018's Halloween, I'd become a huge Halloween fan thanks to uh, experiences in college, became a horror fan via the first Halloween And it's one of my favorite franchises ever since I saw that first one. And so I was beyond um, excited for 2018s. And I just, I didn't know because there's so many bad Halloweens. I love them all, but there's some really bad ones. So I was very anxious of, okay, how is this going to go? I'm not sure. Um, 
I'm not going to lie, that opening scene, it wasn't really clicking with me. I was unsure of how it was going to go. Aaron and the other podcaster are trying to get information out of Michael. He gets the mask out. Still not really doing a whole lot for me. He's like, say something, Michael. Say something. Still nothing. Say something. And then immediately goes into the classic Halloween music of do-do-do-do-do-do. Like full blast while there's the pumpkin that's been um, smushed and it's slowly coming back to life. In that moment, I think I squealed pure delight in the theater because as a diehard Halloween fan, I immediately recognized the callback to in the original Halloween, the opening credits are of a slow zoom in on a single jack-o'-lantern as the credits roll. And so they did the exact inverse for this new one of instead of a slow zoom in on a pumpkin, it's a pumpkin coming back to life, a la the franchise coming back to life. And it was just like, (gasps) the classic intro that we haven't seen since the first film with the classic music, okay, I have faith in this movie again. And sure enough, I love the rest of 2018's Halloween. And it's one of the best sequels in the entire franchise. And it just like reinstilled that faith in the franchise. It was just that as soon as that music hit of, okay, I'm back to my comfort zone, which is weird to say for a Halloween movie. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think you could probably guess my tears of sadness in a horror movie, but good tears of sadness. I think it might be the the same one that I have, which is the one of my the last ones I have. Then we'll probably leave that for later. Is it AQP? Uh, I don't think so, actually. Really? Does it involve a bearded man? Oh my goodness! No, you forgot about it, didn't you? I did. So we're going to talk about it now, then. Um, Yeah. In case any of you haven't figured it out, we're, of course, talking about A Quiet Place. Oh, Mm. my goodness. The whole film was just, you had to see it in theaters because the sound editing was just phenomenal. And the theater that I watched it with, like, they were all on the edge of their seat. Like, some people talked, but, like, at the right moments, and it was, like, nervous talking to try and relieve the tension a little bit. But... Everyone was like super locked in from the get-go. And A Quiet Place almost like forces you to be locked in. You can't talk because of how great the sound design is. But the moment that really just hit me and made me go, okay, this movie's gone from great, from good to absolutely great and solidified as the best film of the year for me was that moment when the alien's about to attack the two kids and the, the dad just got attacked and he puts his shovel down and he does the sign language to his daughter. I have, I love you. I have always loved you. And then gives out the single most manly scream, this side of Braveheart. And everyone in that theater in that moment could feel their heart ripped out like Rambo cut it out himself. Yep. And it was just devastating, but you could feel the entire theater feel it together to the point of when they eventually get the upper hand at the end with a shotgun, my whole theater cheered like a sigh of relief of 
finally we have the upper hand because we've been on this journey together. It was just rewarding. Okay, so I did forget about A Quiet Place, but it is not the movie I thought you were talking about. Really? I You said A Bearded Man, and my brain went to Logan. Oh. And because uh, Logan, oh my goodness, dude. Okay, like, especially admit it. That. Did you cry? Oh, dude, when it panned out and there was an X, the, the, there was the X over his grave. If you I was, did not cry in the theater, you are lying right now. Yeah, oh, no, I cried, dude. So like, hard. It, like, I don't think there's a drop. Uh, See, I was, I was crying for sure, and then I lost it when, like you said, she takes the cross and then turns it into an X. I was like, oh, because... And I don't think it's in the movie but i remember somebody pointing it out online after the release of uh what's her face um in the wolverine talking about his future and that he'll die with the world in his hands and the, one of the last shots yep. one of the last shots is him holding the hand of his daughter and i was nope. just like no you jerks and it's just you can't send off hugh jackman any better than that as probably the greatest comic book casting ever and it was just the best send-off and that was one of the most emotionally difficult movies i've ever watched but most rewarding at the same time yes and just that that's one of those instantly iconic moments that it's one of those moments that as you're watching it like a moment we'll talk about later um there's very few moments that you know the minute you see it it's iconic. And just that ending of Logan was just one of the best experiences and one of the hardest to get through in any comic book movie or any movie period I've ever gone through. But it was so, it felt earned and it felt right. And there was not a dry eye in that theater. Take your Titanic ending and forget all about it. This is the real Dude. devastating ending. Well, if you want to talk about something that felt earned and something that felt deserved and that had been built over years do you want to talk about endgame nope not yet really? wow okay okay i'm saving that for last just because that one's like the to me like the big like that was borderline concert level fair enough at least I, for I'll, my I'll theater give i'll give you that i uh then I'll, I'll I'll lay down my last one before we get to to end game. Then I got a bunch um, more. <laughs> yeah, I I'm just I'm terrible at. The main thing is I have always had a bad habit of not seeing movies in the theater, because just for whatever reasons. Um, so let me ask you this: Is there a certain third installment of a animated series on your list? Animated series. No. no, I was about to say there's no dragons on my list, but one of the franchises includes a dragon. No, so so we're, you're just going to ignore Toy Story three. See, I don't know. I'm on the fence because it's I love Toy Story three, but I actually don't really remember the first time I saw it in theaters. Primarily because I just remember crying so hard. 
but I don't remember yes. the first time I saw it in theaters. Like, I know so, it's a big impact, but I don't remember that first time in theaters with Toy Story 3, yeah. actually. So, the first, it came out in 2010. Yes. Which is the year that I graduated high school. Yes. It was right um, around, it was getting very close to when I was about to graduate. Yes. So, my mom and I, as our, like, last kind of thing to do together before I graduated high school, we went and saw that opening day. And so, of course, that scene, that final scene when he's playing with the toys one last time, like, my mom's crying, like, bawling. I'm bawling. Like, it's just... It was like, that was my mom and I's like final opportunity to say goodbye to each other in, in, in like a way of like, okay, you're not, you're not the kid anymore. Yeah. It's very rarely will I ever say an ending is perfect, but Toy Story 3 is a perfect ending. It's also one of those ones that I talked about of, the moment you see it, you know this will be an iconic scene. Yeah, exactly. It's oh, it's so. I actually I don't remember the first time I saw Toy Story three, but I actually more vividly recall um, seeing the double feature for Toy Story yeah. with the first time there was a trailer for Toy Story three because I remember seeing in theaters Toy Story one and Toy Story two two with some friends of mine from high school and they showed a trailer for Toy Story three as a like oh, didn't know that was coming. I yeah. guess that could be good, but it's been so long. There's no way it's going to be that good. And still to this day, people argue the third one's the best. It it's is. not, it'll always be the first one, and I'll fight any of you to the death that say otherwise, but okay. it's still pretty good. To me, it goes one, three, two, four. Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you, sure. But... Yeah, I remember that double header more than I remember the third one, just because I think it left too much of an impact on me that I'm trying to like block it out. Maybe that's why I can't remember the first time I saw it. But rest assured, I've seen three plenty of times since then. Um, I've got Toy Story has always been a big part of my life, but another big part of my life growing up was Harry Potter. Now I don't have one particular moment, but just the franchise as a whole. Um. Let's just say the latest I ever saw a Harry Potter movie, like the la absolute latest I ever saw one, was opening night. Was like, if the movie came out at midnight, the latest I ever saw the movie was Friday night. We Dang. always like made a tradition, no matter what, we either saw it at midnight or that Friday night. No matter what. there were, I remember one, it was either... The third or the fourth movie, I was actually sick from school that day. I was actually sick. I wasn't just faking it. But I made sure to rest all day just so I could maybe have the chance to see Harry Potter later that night. And then as I got older, I remember seeing them at midnight. Uh, I think it was six. Yeah, the one, spoiler alert, one of the major characters dies in a gut-wrenching scene in the movie uh, at the midnight showing for that. Um, and one of the people that we saw it with hadn't read the book, so she didn't know that death was coming, and that was very entertaining for her. Um, but it didn't matter. We always saw it either at midnight, um, 
which midnight release parties used to be so great, especially Harry Potter ones. Like people would get dressed up. Uh, just the excitement was always great. It was either midnight showings or Friday showings, no matter what. And those are always some of the most fun premieres to go to any time. And those have only been rivaled recently by the Marvel opening nights. Like, I like going to Marvel opening nights or any major opening nights just because the environment's different. It's not quite midnight showing level, but that's always the most enthusiastic crowd. Um, And we'll talk more about those enthusiastic crowds later, but I got a couple other throwaway ones before we talk about the ones, like the really big enthusiastic crowds that I have the most enthusiastic memories of. Um, The pure... This there's really no thought behind this, but I just remember this being like, if I had to put it as a pure theater spectacle moment. Um, while I don't love the film, I remember vividly when my family and I saw Godzilla, the one with Brian Cranston in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie is just okay. Um, I, it's not my favorite. I think it's just kind of okay. That being said, the first time we see Godzilla um, before they cut away so we don't actually see him fight, unfortunately. We get that great head-to-toe shot. We saw Godzilla in IMAX at Downtown Disney, so it's this massive screen with surround sound. When he steps forward and you get that great head-to-toe shot and he roars for the first time, I have never had a more, like, this is made for a theater moment of, like, the theater shook. When he, um, when he, like, towards the, the middle of the final fight, and he's getting his butt whooped. I uh, I remember, I vividly remember thinking, like, why is he having so much trouble? Doesn't he have fire breath? And literally, as soon as I finished that thought, the tail started glowing. And I was like, oh, here we go! Oh, man. And the whole crowd just erupted when he, like, blew fire out down that guy's throat. Yeah, so when he get when we get to that moment, I thought it was going to be a repeat of like when he snapped the other guy's jaw because I was like, oh, he's just going to snap another guy's jaw. That kind of seems lame that he's only got one way to do it. And then he breathes down the guy's neck and it's just like, oh, now that is a step up. Next time, open with that. Yeah, open with that, bud. So I was just like, not a huge fan of the movie, but that's one of the main reasons of, yes, people still go to the movies because... For that, you know it's a movie, but for a split second, you have that thought of, holy crap, that's real. Yeah. And that line between real and fake um, dissolves. Now, uh, for one of the movies on my list, there's a little bit of crossover with you, if I remember correctly. Really? You didn't see this opening night with me. Uh, That was Heather's job because she... When the trailers were coming out for this, she's like, uh, I called dibs on taking you to see this. And at the time, I was just like, this movie looks awful. Like, it doesn't look that good. The trailers didn't really win me over. We saw it, and I was just like, okay, you definitely went on an inner, you went on a date with my inner nine-year-old tonight because when the Millennium Falcon shows up in the Lego movie, I squealed yes. louder than any of the kids that were actually in that theater. I screamed and yelled at, that has only ever been surpassed one other time, which, hmm, I wonder what that would be. Um, and then, not only that, but they get Billy D. Williams and Anthony Daniels to reprise their Star Wars characters, and I was just about passed out from excitement of, 
you did the thing, guys. You did the thing. And I remember, like, running back to the dorms like a madman on fire going, guys, 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 you have to see the Lego movie. You have to see the Lego movie. And they're like, whatever. It was like, do you trust me? Like Aladdin <laughs> offering his hand to yeah. Jasmine. Do you trust me? And we see it the next day and everyone's just like, we're seeing this next weekend, right? Yep. So we roped up more people. We saw it the next weekend. And I think the weekend after that, we saw it like three or four times in theaters again and again, bringing in new people every single time. And everyone, every single time people had doubts of, are you serious? The Lego movie? And after about two hours or so, when they finally see it, they're like, okay, I need to see this again. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's, it's, I remember seeing that with now that you say it. It's, I, I, we, you and I didn't have a lot of theater moments together, primarily because we didn't have a good theater near us. No, there was like two, and both of them were sketchy. Like, there's yeah. that one good one that you go to for premieres, and if you can't get for premieres, you don't go. Yeah, oh, they had absolutely. That, like, really big, nice one for their main auditorium, but the rest of them were kind of terrible because I saw Captain Phillips in one of their side theaters, and it wasn't great. The movie was fine, yeah. but the theater was terrible. But yeah, oh, the Lego movie, it was just cool to see kind of like spread of like, you need to see it, you need to see it, you need to see it. And then everyone's like, fine. Okay, yeah, we need to see this. Yeah. And uh, just the enthusiasm of seeing, holy crap, you got the Millennium Falcon in here. And also the unexpected emotion of the movie as well. Yeah, like that came out of nowhere. Like, stop that. Like I was not. It's like what's it? That scene from Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. Get back in there, tear. Yes. So Dude. the rest of my okay, movies okay, on my list. Really quick, um, special mm. mention, honorable mention to Cloudy with the Meatballs too. Really. Like, dude, dude, don't even pretend like you don't enjoy that movie. I haven't seen the second one. I've you heard, haven't. I've heard not as positive things about the second one. I find it way funnier. Mainly because I still haven't I love, seen it, but I die laughing every single time with there's a leak in the boat. Yes, it's though that it, dude, you know, the level of my humor is so pun based that it's just um, like like they've got pancake frogs. And when they rib it instead of rib it, they say butter. <laughs> that that's you. It's it's that kind of humor through the entire movie. Oh, I'm so surprised you haven't seen it. So the rest of the movies on my list are like the big blockbuster. You have to see this opening night or else it's not worth the price of admission type thing. Um, I have not one, but three Star Wars movies. Shocker. So, um, yeah, um, I got to go back to the way back. 1999, my first Star Wars movie I ever saw in theaters. The Phantom Menace. That was the day I graduated from kindergarten. I remember talking to people uh, in my class saying, you're going to see it tonight? As we're like playing with Legos in the classroom. Uh, that was all we could talk about. And the merchandise was everywhere. And I still remember that time very, very well. And yeah, I remember it. People don't like it. I still have a fond memory of Phantom Menace and still my favorite of the prequels. Um, primarily because of the memories I have associated with, but I still remember vividly seeing Phantom Menace and all, all the prequel movies. I still can remember really, really well. Like the teaser poster for Attack of Clones. I still remember well, 
Um, seeing literally every single TV spot for Revenge of the Sith whenever it came on, like mom would call me, trailer's on, and run into the room. Yep, no new footage, but still cool to see. Gets me hyped. Um, yeah. And then that enthusiasm would spill over again in 2015 for Force Awakens. Oh, gosh. Just the enthusiasm because the prequels are bad and we were kind of hoping to get good movies again and we just didn't know. So there's this anticipation. It was, of course, the second most packed I've ever seen the movie theater by my house. Um except for one other time. Hmm, don't know what that would be. Um, is the most packed I've ever seen it. Uh, so we're all eagerly anticipating it. And then a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and that music blasts and that theater erupts and everyone's just like, we're back home. And there's that great scene when they're on Jakku. Of, yeah. Um, what about that? That's garbage. We can't take that. I've got a quad jumper. The quad jumper blows up. The garbage will do. And it's the Millennium Falcon. And they purposely leave that spacing for the audience to cheer. And cheer they did in my theater at the return of an old friend. Like, yes, we love Han and Chewie. And it was great to see them. And the crowd cheered for that, too. But the Millennium Falcon is an old friend, too, that everyone missed because of the prequels. And it was just... Ah, the perfect blending of the new and the old. Say what you want about the rest of the series, but The Force Awakens, it was, it got everything back. It's ironic. The first lines of The Force Awakens are, this will begin to make things right. Yes. Totally done on purpose. And the thing that I actually remember the best is after The Force Awakens, uh, and everyone's like stood up and clapped and cheered because they're just like, that was great. I look over to my mom. She's like, now that's a Star Wars movie. It's like, yes, we're back on track. But the thing I remember is there's a guy like in the one of the very front rows. He immediately stands up before anyone else and goes, all right, we all loved it. And we didn't, wouldn't want it ruined for us if we saw it. So let's not ruin it for the people out there. And we won't talk about it until we get to our cars. I was like, <laughs> not all heroes wear capes, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't want to ruin it for the people coming in. Because this is Star Wars. Um, and, of course, following up Force Awakens was The Last Jedi. Which is, I think, where the fracture started in the fandom. I'm not going to lie. And while I'm not yeah. in love with The Last Jedi, let's be honest. There's that one moment that I think, had it not been another moment on our list today... Probably would be the loudest crowd reaction I've ever heard in a movie theater. But when Kylo and Rey team up, I have never heard a crowd cheer louder in a theater in my entire life. It's, dude. Oh, man. I remember when when, when he starts turning the lightsaber, my initial reaction, uh, most everybody in there was like, no way. No way. He's not doing it. He's not going to do it. And then, oh, dude, everybody just went nuts. And then John Williams is just like, hold on a second. I'm about to make this better. And then does the ultimate flex move by having the force music in the background just personified the strongest that music has ever been. And you're like, yep. 
Yes. It was so good. It was such a cathartic relief. And then the movie kind of just goes downhill from there because there's no way you can top that. Yeah. Unfortunately, Rise of Skywalker <laughs> really didn't have one of those scenes, but even though I think Rise of, I enjoy Rise of Skywalker more, but I will never forget that loud, just raucous energy of that one particular moment in The Last Jedi. Um, now, I have a tie between two moments, and you'll see why they're tied before we get into our last big one. Um, two Spider-Man moments, of course. Um, I'm going to guess one, at least one from, uh, Homecoming. Yep. Of course. Uh, Josh, what's the moment from Homecoming? Do you think? Uh, when he's getting crushed. Yep. Anybody, I've talked about this moment so much on the podcast and I don't care that I've talked about it to death, but it's a moment that as a longtime Spider-Man fan, it was one that I always wanted, but never thought we'd get in a movie, but at it. I loved it so much. One, because it recreated a comic book, but also it immediately got to the core of who Peter Parker was because when he gets crushed, it's just like, are they going to do the thing? Are they actually going to do the thing? And I start getting really excited, but then it becomes this great character moment of, it's not Spider-Man flattened. It is a 16-year-old kid who thinks he's going to die and has to find the strength within himself which is a very human thing to do of when your back is pressed mm-hmm. against the wall, what are you going to do about it? You're not a superhuman, but what are you going to do about it? I think that's why Spider-Man resonates with so many people. And so I was I was getting choked up. I was cheering. That's the most invested I've ever been in a Spider-Man moment ever. And it was just, oh, this is, this is why I fell in love with Spider-Man. And this is why, to me, Tom Holland is the Spider-Man that I will always get behind. Now, there's another Spider-Man moment that that made me uh, have happy tears. This other one almost made me lose my voice. Okay. All I need to say, and it'll immediately set the light bulb off for Josh and probably those at home, if you haven't already guessed, Far From Home and Credits. Oh, yeah. Jay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonah... Jameson returns. And a big part of that is because nobody knew it was coming. Except for the fact that if you remember two or three weeks before the movie came out, I said on the podcast, the only thing that can make me cheer louder than Captain America wielding Mjolnir in an Avengers movie is if we ever got J.K. Simmons to come back as J. Jonah Jameson. True. Like three weeks before the movie came out, I even officially put it on the podcast, not thinking it would ever happen. And then sure enough, I screamed. But the awkward part was I was the only one in my theater that actually understood who that was, I think. Yeah. Or everyone else just thought it was funny. I was like rejoicing and everyone else just like, the heck is this kid's problem? Yeah. To the point that my mom looks at me after the scene was done. She's like, so what was the significance of that? I was like, that's J. Jonah Jameson. That's J.K. Simmons. He was in the original Spider-Man trilogy. She's just like, so? Marvel <laughs> doesn't recast anybody. But even they realize you can't recast perfection. Because who else are you going to have, man? Literally no one. Because there's rumors yeah. leading up to Far From Home that 
there would be Jake, there would be J. Jonah Jameson, but it would be somebody else. Um, yeah. And it would be like a reveal that someone was actually J. Jonah, like as a surprise plot twist. But no, they're like, no, we know what you guys want, and we know you would write if it was anybody else but J.K. So we brought him back just for you guys. Yeah. And I lost my mind. And it's just, I can't wait to see him in more Spider-Man stuff. Just thank you, MCU, and thank you, Sony, for bringing back a guy. Because very rarely do people come back, especially if in different continuity. Like, you just, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't. Not not very often, especially when it when we talk uh, with all the stuff that happens in Endgame. Yeah. Now let's talk about Endgame because honestly, this whole thing could be a whole video in and of itself. And I feel like we did do a podcast episode on just Endgame. Yeah. Um, what was your theater experience like for Endgame? Because mine was unlike any theater experience I've ever had. It was, yeah, no, about the same because it was very much, everyone was popping for all the right things. Everybody was quiet for the right moments. Um, the pop for Cap, Captain America getting uh, getting the hammer was huge. Um, when he when he said Avengers Assemble, oh, dude, the whole crowd just went absolutely nuts. So with the hammer, like there was kind of like this buildup of like it got knocked out of his hands. And in that moment, as soon as the hammer got knocked out of Thor's hand, I immediately sat up going, is this the time? Is this the time? And so Thor's getting beat on. I'm just like, come on, Cap. Come on, Cap. And the hammer starts lifting. And I kind of let out like, I'm <gasps> like, oh, I know it's going to happen. Are they actually going to do it? Just waiting in anticipation. I think I'm like squeezing Heather's hand at this point, probably like squeezing the life out of her poor fingers. And it immediately goes to Cap. And I swear to you, I almost jumped out of my seat and screamed at the top of my lungs. Thankfully, those around me had the same sentiment, so I didn't look like a fool. But I had the biggest idiotic grin on my face of, you did the thing that I have wanted you to do for so long. I was like, okay, I have a checklist, MCU. You've been doing great. I just want Captain America to lift the hammer because we know he can do it. And I want you to say assemble. That was the only thing I wanted for Endgame. My list was very small. That was that was it. And I got both of those. But the what I loved about the Captain America thing was everyone will remember that moment with Captain America's hammer. And it's true. I've, I've seen that scene numerous times. I watch it all the time with my parents whenever I'm over at their house. And we always remark whenever he picks it up. It's weird not to hear the crowd noise because we're so used yeah. to it. Every I saw it like three or four times in theaters to help it beat Avatar, of course. And every single time, no matter what, there's always cheers because it was a great moment. And it's kind of weird to watch it at home without the cheers. But I love that scene that, yes, Cap's got this great comeback. And then he immediately gets beat up. So everyone kind of loses hope again of, crap, that was our best shot. Now what? Cap. Cap, can you read me? Cap, it's Sam. And in that moment, I think all of us were hyped up on adrenaline too much to remember, oh yeah, Sam got dusted. So it didn't really dawn us on us until we saw the portal and we're like, oh, the snap. 
Hulk brought him back. Holy crap. And basically yeah. just say holy crap for the next half an hour of Yeah, basically. I didn't love Black Panther. I like the character of Black Panther, but the movie as a whole wasn't really doing it for me. But when he comes out, he bombay with the whole army. I was screaming that with the rest of my theater of, oh, it's go time. And Thanos has yeah. a look of, oh, I done goofed up. Yep. Um, and it was just beautiful. And the Avengers theme just keeps building and building and everyone's there. And Howard the Duck is there. And uh everyone just more and more and more. I started the tears of joy as uh the guardians come in and then Spider-Man swings in. That got one of the biggest pops of all the returning characters because it's Spider-Man and also everyone was gutted when Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. So of course Yo, he's gonna have dude. his great return. Um yeah. and then Avengers assemble. You're like Oh, I'm helping you fight Thanos in this moment. But I also remember right before he says, Avengers. And then I was like, oh, he's going to say, everyone, shut up, shut up. You're going to miss it. I want to make sure I hear this because it's going to be iconic. And I still don't get why he whispers it. Mm-hmm. But he says, I think- assemble. And it was like, your team just won the World Series. It has, I've never been in the theater that has been so loud, and I don't think I ever will. Um, just holy cow, was that loud? And it was fantastic. Those type of moments are why you go to the theater. Oh, absolutely. I think a big part of it was this was a culmination of years of storytelling and moments that they had they had teased but never fully gone on with and it was it was just yeah it was it, it is an experience that will never be replicated i've thought about doing and at some point i'll we'll do an episode of like other comic book moments that i would like to see someday that would probably get me to pop more than that but it has to be done right like you said avengers assemble was 10 years in the making um tell me just because it's us if they did the right build if you wouldn't have just as great, if not a greater reaction, if we had the same amount of build and character development go into a scene that ultimately ends with Titans, go. Oh, dude, I'd pop so hard. Oh my uh, gosh. Or an actual like buildup of a Justice League movie with the final fight being the Justice League versus Dark Side and the icing on the cake being the animated Justice League music. Yes. It's all those small things. And I, I think hopefully we, after all this craziness is, is done, we can get back to building building up moments like that. Yes. Because I, I think the MCU is this generation's Star Wars of, I think the MCU will inspire young kids to, be interested in films. They will remember these moments. Like the original trilogy of Star Wars is iconic. Endgame has its own iconic things that I think will inspire kids that will leave these big impacts because of the moments that they've had in theaters. I will never, ever forget the first time I saw Endgame in theaters just because it was like nothing I've ever seen before and probably will never see again because it 
on the Honest trailer had it right of the MCU is literally a television series made up of movies. Yeah, and it basically. was like a big season finale. But the thing Absolutely. with the MCU is it's most people go to action movies to see the action and then will tolerate the character moments. The MCU is the inverse. They'll tolerate the action scenes, but they come for the little character interactions. And all that got paid off in such great ways for Endgame that ultimately led to that great finale. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's something that as much as I love DC, they've, they've just not been able to do is they just don't understand. You have to build to a moment. You can't just do a moment and hope everybody gets it. Yeah. And I think we'll eventually get back to that for now. They're content with just doing solid standalone films, but I think eventually we'll get some good buildup of things. Uh, what do you guys think? What are some of your all-time favorite moments that you've been able to experience in a theater? Let us know in the comments below. We always love hearing from you guys. Um, yeah, let us know. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.